All right, let's talk a little bit about emails. Uh, how often have you provided your email when you buy something online? You know, when you when they offer you, you know, 10% off if you provide an email, or maybe sometimes you go buy something and um, they'll ask you, you know, do you, do you want us to email um, your receipt to you? Well, they get access to your email. That's the, those are the retailers. Well, where does that all go? Reports in the past few weeks show your email is being shared more than you think. Now, recently, uh, Philip Dufresne, who's the Federal Privacy Commissioner, published a, a report that I think is best described as scathing, where he accused Home Depot of sharing data with uh, Facebook's parent company, Meta. Uh, basically, uh, Mr. Dufresne said that Home Depot did not have permission to share that information uh, with uh, Meta. Now, uh, it, the investigation found that Home Depot had been collecting customer email addresses at store checkouts for the purpose of providing customers with an electronic copy, just like I uh, had mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, basically, uh, they do not have the right to provide that information. Uh, they did say, by the way, that uh, you get so <laughs> you got asked so many times for permission, they felt that there's a fatigue there with consumers that they didn't want to bother you for seeking your permission. Well, today, Hudson's Bay said it was suspending all data transfers to Meta as well, which of course is the owner of Facebook and Instagram. Well, what does this all mean in regards to our data, how we protect our data, and what this uh, will mean in regards to the brighter, broader conversation we ask as a society? There is, is an insatiable desire for data by these company, companies, but where does your consumer privacy protection begin as well? Well, joining me now is Wendy Wong. She's a professor of political science and uh, principal research chair at UBC Okanagan. Professor Wong, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a it's a, fa- a fascinating conversation. First and foremost, the broader conversation about Home Depot and what what the Federal Privacy Commissioner uh, did in his report. Uh, how rare is that? I mean, some would say it's quite scathing in regards to him pointing this out. Is that a a a, a point that you know we should be looking at saying this is where things change, or do you think this is just the start of a much bigger, broader conversation? Um, you know, it's hard to say, right? I mean, in my in my use of the privacy commissioner's reports, I've seen it be very direct, and in fact, they often go into quite a bit of detail to tell the public what exactly is going on. And and what comes to mind is the investigation of Cadillac Fairview a couple of years ago, and and its use of facial recognition technology, also surreptitiously um, in its malls. And, of course, Cadillac Fairview owns a fair number of famous malls here in Canada, including Eaton Centre in Toronto, of course, mm-hmm. and the Chinook Centre. Um, and so I think that what is, you know, these reports are very useful. I, I think that perhaps Home Depot, PetSmart, Hudson's Bay, you name it, there's a bunch of very prominent retailers on that list uh, that have come out since the Privacy Commissioner started talking about the Home Depot case. And so I think it is a it is part of a broader conversation that we should be having. Um, what does what does this tell us? Because when I look at um, you know the EU, uh, the European Union, mm-hmm. they seem to be much more uh, aggressive in regards to protecting privacy, uh, challenging big data, big tech. Um, where would you see Canada in this broader conversation in regards to protecting our privacy? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, I think the way I think about it is governments in general are now coming to terms with the extent to which human behavior, our daily behaviors, our activities are becoming data. And those data are really useful 
for businesses to not just to sell us things, but to improve their products, to make search better, to, you know, help us do the things that we want to do in a more efficient or exciting or, you know, better way. So I think we're just coming to terms. Governments are just coming to terms with just how ex- the, the extent to which our, our activities are being tracked and shared and analyzed by artificial intelligence, AI, and other types of analyses. And so, you know, the EU in some ways is leading in the sense that they have this regulation called the GDPR that does talk about data in relation to individuals. But I think the broader concern here, and this is what the debate is going on in Canada right now with a number of bills before the federal government, is is that the right way to think about things? Uh, is Is it about individuals and data or are we kind of missing the point, which is that even though individuals have data, take, you know, people's data gets stored in a, in a database, it gets shared with Meta and other companies. Um, but it's really, the data are valuable because it's, it's about the collective. It's not just about you or I as individual shoppers or individual citizens of the public. It's about people like us. Companies want to know what people like us are going to be doing and how they can change their services or their offerings accordingly. Um. Have we allowed, and we, I mean, the collective West probably, and specifically the United States, uh, when, when you look at Facebook, uh, it's not only just Facebook, it's Instagram, it's WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at Google, it's not just Google, it's YouTube and many other smaller companies uh, to the point some would argue these big companies aren't really innovators anymore. They're so big, they buy innovative companies uh, and, and scoop up as much data and more importantly, talent. Have we just allowed big tech to get too big and now we're trying to slowly, whether it's to our discourse, maybe in the early stages of maybe unwinding all of it? You know, I think that's a I think that, that depends on what, you know, you're sort of there are a lot of different ways we can answer that question. And I think we could there are different ways to think about how big is too big. I mean, certainly there have been very large conglomerates. Um, in history and also in, in other countries where companies are sort of structured differently. The way I sort of think about this isn't whether it's big tech is too big. I think it's recognizing how pervasive big tech has become in our lives. And the things you just listed off, you know, YouTube, Google, uh, Instagram, WhatsApp, these are services that we have come to rely on on a daily basis. And they collect data as a, as a matter of business. This is how they function. And so, you know, I, I think what, one of the things that I hope comes out of this, this finding with the privacy commissioner and, and this controversy on all these companies sharing data with Meta mm-hmm. is that we as consumers wake up, we as the public come to pay more attention to the fact that it's not just, you know, our emails or our purchasing patterns. It's our daily activities that are being datafied. They're turning into data. Mm-hmm. Um, where do penalties fall, f- fall into, into this? I mean, we can write policy, and that's wonderful. Uh, but financial penalties, I think it was uh, Cambridge, uh, Facebook with its uh, uh, entire scandal about Cambridge Analytica. I think they're, in the last couple of months, they paid $750 million in fines, which sounds like a lot. But for a company like Facebook or Google, it's really not. Um, how do we turn it around? Now, you, you talk, we've talked a bit about policy. Do you think penalties and financial penalties will have any impact on these companies? Well, one of the concerns I always have when we think about penalties is that they're after the fact, right? So yeah. 
people have to be hurt before things happen. And then it takes a long time to find fault if fault is found. And then you get this massive penalty. It sounds like a big deal. But as you point out, you know, the the market value of these companies is many, 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 many fold times what, you know, even hundreds of millions of dollars, right? We're talking about companies that are worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So in some ways, I think what policymakers should be focusing on is proactive. We shouldn't be reactive. It shouldn't be that somebody who wants to delete their Facebook account alerts the privacy commissioner that Meta is actually sharing data with various retailers. I think there should be incentives for retailers to back off on either data collection or data usage. And I think policymakers need to stop relying on terms like consent. I mean, if we think about Consent. What are we? We're asked all the time if we want cookies. Would it have made a difference if you're checking out at Home Depot and you know these big terms and conditions that run thousands of words pop up? I mean, most of us would probably just say I agree yeah. and move on, right? And so consent has become really not meaningful anymore. And I think relying on that as a vehicle for policy is therefore asking the public to take responsibility for things that are very legalistic very technical, and frankly, beyond the scope of what any of us can reasonably understand in a daily transaction that happens over and over and over again. Professor Wong, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to having you on the show again. Thanks, Jeff.